1: Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this chilly Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. Man, it is cold outside. I I like the cold, but... I gotta be honest, it, it's it's cold for me uh, with the below freezing temperatures. That wind howling around like it is. I've been telling people all day. Reminds me of my days up in Ohio, man. This is the that's the kind of weather we dealt with when I was up there in Dayton, man. This isn't this isn't Alabama weather. It's terrible, man. Uh, but I'm glad that we missed most of the bad weather so far with all the snow and ice. I mean, it was 60 degrees here yesterday in Auburn and Opelika, and I had family up in North Alabama covered in snow on ice man it's wild what's going on with old mother nature right now but hope you're doing well on this tuesday afternoon boy do we have a lot to talk about on the tuesday edition of on the line we got to recap a very busy weekend in the world of sports since we did not have shows yesterday we were off for uh, MLK Day, and so uh, we are back here today in the studio. Glad to be with you. My name is Jacob Goins. I'm with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. Busy Tuesday show ahead. We've got Auburn basketball we got to talk about. Uh, we have a ton of football news with Auburn, with Alabama, with uh, just college football in general, all the changes and movement going on right now in the sport. Uh, we've got some Bruce Pearl audio from his press conference yesterday yesterday uh, uh, no Daryl Dapperts today I uh, had a situation come up, so no Double D today, unfortunately. We will pick back up with him next week. Uh, so in that case, in that situation, phone lines are open. Outside of our Bruce Pearl audio, phone lines are open. Give me a call. What's on your mind on this Tuesday afternoon? We have so much to talk about, and I know that you've got thoughts on everything going on in the world of sports. So you can give me a call, 334-321-1390. That number again, 334 334- 321-1390. 1, What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? What are your reactions to college basketball, the NFL? You already know we're going to talk a little NFL today. Uh, with the playoffs, that uh, the wild card weekend that went on this weekend, they extended it three whole days. It was pretty impressive. So all of that and more is going to be here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. And again, you can give me a call, 334-321-1390. 3, 3, 3, 1, and I do want to start. With Auburn basketball, we're going to get to football and all the other college football news coming up later on today, but got to start with basketball as Auburn coming off the nice win last week, this time last week against Texas A&M, getting over the hump against Buzz Williams. They come back home, right? They had two games at home in a row. They hosted LSU, and the Tigers rolled. They win 93-78. to They got up by almost 30 in this game before they let LSU come back a little bit. And I know it's been a couple of days, so you've got to dig in your brain a little bit to remember what happened on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, if you will. But this Auburn team, man, gosh, they're good. They're unbelievably good. And the talent is there all the way through. One through five, starters and bench players. And I don't even feel comfortable calling them bench players because... There's so many guys that contribute to this team, and so many of them are splitting minutes pretty much down the middle at their positions. I mean, I look at Katie Johnson and Denver Jones. I look at Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson. Like These guys are basically splitting minutes right down the middle, and that's rare to find on a basketball team. And what's also rare is... Is for an Auburn team or just a basketball team in general to get out and just hold big leads against teams. And while this team got a little complacent against LSU, they still win 93 to 78. Right. And you start looking at the stats here, Auburn, their leading scores, their leading scorer was Chad Baker Mazzara with 19 off the bench. His season high. As an, or his career high as an Auburn Tiger, right? A season high this season on 5 of 10 shooting, 3 of 4 from downtown, and had a bunch of other stats as well, 6 of 6 from the free throw line. You had Janai Broom, who had 18. He had a good night, 6 of 12 from the floor. And then you got a good production out of Aiden Holloway. wasn't his best shooting night, but he was able to knock down some shots. Also, Trey Donaldson, your backup point guard, he gave you 10 as well. And you look at what Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson were doing. Six assists, two turnovers for your two point guards. That's beautiful basketball. That's a three-to-one ratio. I talk about the perfect ratio for a point guard to be two-to-one assist to turnover ratio. And you've got your two point guards combining for a three-to-one ratio. I mean, it it really is fun to watch. And... This team doesn't turn it over a lot. They value their possessions really, really well. I mean, it's pretty rare for this Auburn basketball team to not get a good shot on a possession. It's very rare for them to not get a shot at all. But for them to take a bad, wild shot, it's pretty rare. And I think that's a testament to a a couple of things. I think, one, you've got to look at who has the basketball on the floor, Right? The guys that are on the floor, who has it in their hands, right? And you look at who makes good decisions with it Jani Broom, I think Trey Donaldson, and, and Aiden Holloway with your guards. And I also think your shooting guards as well with Denver Jones and KD Johnson. And KD Johnson has grown, ladies and gentlemen. He has grown as a basketball player because he's no longer the out-of-control, wild, bull-in-a-China-shop type of player, he's still going to put his head down and get to the rim, but he doesn't throw up just crazy wild shots. He doesn't just throw up and jack up 30-foot threes and hope that they go in, right? He's taking legitimate shots, and when he gets to the rim, one of two things is going to happen. He's going to make it, or he's going to get fouled. That's That's just a fact. Go look at it, man. He either makes the shot or he gets fouled. And that's a huge growth spurt. That's a huge growing sign for KD Johnson because we know he used to just take some wild shots and we'd get so frustrated with his decision-making sometimes. But he's playing grown-up, mature basketball, and that's really, really good to see. This team shares the ball. They move the ball. They move without the basketball. And they get really good shots. And the thing that still separates this Auburn team, as they have continued to climb in the rankings, they continue to do their thing and beat the teams in front of them. right? They continue to be the top team in the SEC. There's two teams in the conference undefeated right now in conference play. It's Auburn and it's Alabama. And this team... The thing that separates them from everybody else, I think really in college basketball, is the defense that they're playing right now. The defense on this Auburn team might be their strongest attribute. It might be their strongest asset. And that's coming from a team that scored 93 points on Saturday. And it looked effortless. 51 in the first half. They didn't even try. But they're holding teams to such a low number, 34 for LSU in the first half, 44 in the second half, and 78's kind of a lot, but again, this team got a little complacent. LSU started hitting some shots in that second half. But you look at what Auburn does defensively, it really is a beauty. It's a sight to see. 76, 62, 75, 62, 66, 68, 51, it's what they held Arkansas to on the road. 55 against a and and then 78 against LSU. I mean, those are unbelievable numbers that Auburn's doing defensively. And it goes back to what we've continued to talk about, is the depth on this team allows them to play fast, physical, high-pressure defense. And because of all that, Auburn's now up to 13th in the country in the AP poll. And I think they should be higher than that. I think this is a, without a doubt, a top 10 Auburn team. Not, I mean, not a shadow of a doubt, they're a top 10 team. But it's interesting, because Bruce Pearl, in his postgame presser on Saturday, talked about this team, and he talked about that very thing. He said, you know, I think we are better right now than people thought we were going to be. But he said, I don't think we're as good as people think we are right now. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's a lot of coach speak. That's a lot of sending a message to his team of, hey, we've still got a lot of work to do and a lot of growing to do and some progress to make. But come on, man. You can't tell me this isn't a top 10 college basketball team right now. Nobody wants to play this team. Nobody wants to take on Auburn right now. Teams should be scared when this Auburn team rolls into town. That includes Vanderbilt this Wednesday night, a place that Auburn has not played very well at all. They play there tomorrow night and have a chance to avenge their loss they had there a year ago. I was there for that. It was pretty brutal. So this team is a really confident bunch, and they continue to play that way, and they continue to play together, which is really, really fun to watch. And I can't... I can't express how big of a pickup that Chad Baker Mazzara was in the transfer portal. This guy's unbelievable. He is a superstar on this team right now, and he's only getting better. He's only getting more confident. He's only going to benefit Auburn more and more and more down the stretch of this season, through the back half of SEC play and once this team gets into the NCAA tournament. He's coming off the bench, and he's leading your team in scoring. He's one of your better shooters, one of your better defenders, one of your more athletic guys, and he's coming off the bench. And I've seen a lot of people talk about, well, why is Chris Moore still starting? Right, There's a huge conversation about this right now. Why is Chris Moore still in the starting lineup? He is a detriment to the team. He is a liability When he's on the floor and liability is a pretty harsh word that I've used at times. And there are certain situations where it is needed. I don't think he's a liability. I just don't think he's an asset. I think he's just kind (laughs) of there. I think, I think Chris Moore is just kind of out there and he doesn't play very much. He doesn't play very many minutes. I mean, he averages what 10 to 12 minutes a game, something like that. Like it's not very much. But he is a senior leader and he's been there for a long time. But the biggest reason that Chris Moore is starting and it's not Chad Baker-Mazzara, it's simple. That is Bruce Pearl stacking his lineups and balancing them out. There's a reason that the drop-off from the five starters to the five guys on the bench is very, very minimal whereas other programs around the country are lucky to have seven or eight guys they can rely on night in and night out. Some of the best teams in the country don't play more than seven guys. I look at Kansas. They don't play more than seven guys. But yet Auburn and Bruce Pearl have 11 to 12 that they could use if they had to. That includes Leor Berman in there, who has not played well as of late. So I've seen people talk about Chris Moore and ask why he's in the starting lineup. And it's because Bruce wants to balance it out. He has a a good thing going right now. Because if you take Chad Baker-Mazzara and you put him in the starting lineup, okay, your starting five is pretty stacked. But then the drop-off when you go to the bench, you're going to feel that. It's still not going to be a ton, but you are going to feel that drop-off. And that could, I think, possibly cost you games somewhere. Whereas here on the flip side, you've got your five starters for BP right now. They go out. They get a lead in the first five to six minutes. And then you take them out, and here comes Trey Donaldson, Katie Johnson, Chad Baker-Mazzara, Chaney Johnson, number 31, and Dylan Cardwell. That's insane. That's a starting five somewhere. There are SEC programs that would kill to have that for their starting five right now and Auburn's bringing that off the bench and I think Chad Baker Mazzara has begun to separate himself and really prove he could be a starter somewhere which makes him that much more dangerous coming off the bench that's why he's not starting because Bruce has a borderline platoon system going on he doesn't do what Calipari did at Kentucky years ago, eight to ten years ago, where he had a legit five-in, five-out system. But Auburn has that ability. They have that capability to do that. And that's why CBM is coming off the bench. Because he, some, he gives you a boost off the bench. He's better than the, the starter in front of him. And that's strong, man. That's really, really strong. This team is good. And I think Bruce has finally figured out the rotation he wants, and he didn't switch it up when conference play got here. He tested a bunch of different lineups out. Remember the beginning of the year, he tested out a bunch of them. And I think he's figured out his rotation, and something's working. Because this team is really good, really confident, and most importantly, they're really dangerous. And the rest of this month of January, I've talked about it before, I just don't think it's all that tough. I don't. I don't think it's all that tough for this Auburn team. You're at Vanderbilt Wednesday, home for Ole Miss Saturday, at Alabama, and at Mississippi State. That's one of your toughest stretches of the season. Home for Vandy, at Ole Miss, home for Bama, at Florida as you get into February. So it may not be an easy schedule, but I don't think it's overly difficult. And would you bet against this Auburn team right now? I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all. I may not take the point spread that they're favored by sometimes, but I wouldn't bet against them win or lose. This team's going to make some noise down the stretch in SEC play, and if they keep doing what they're doing, the sky should be the limit. Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4, that should be the expectation for this team. I'm serious. That's how good they are. I saw it before the season started with the talent and it's exciting to see them come together as a team. 334 Give me a call. What do you think about this Auburn basketball team? would love to hear from you about the result from Saturday. We could talk about the game coming up tomorrow on the road at at Vanderbilt. We've got a lot more to talk about here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We've got uh, Bruce Pearl audio for you coming up in just a little bit. We've got NFL playoffs to talk about. Question of the day. Plus a ton of Auburn football and college football news here on the show. So give me a call. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. 334-321 1390 The Tuesday edition of on the line continues after this
0: you are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app
1: Back inside the studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm your man Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 as we get to Question of the Day. Been a minute since we've done this and like to do this coming out of the weekends because it's simple, but it's very open and it's uh, hopefully uh, a chance for you to get involved here on the show. And You can do that by calling 334-321-1390. Question of the Day is simple. What was the biggest result in sports this weekend? What did you see in sports over the weekend that was that caught your eye, caught your ear? What was the biggest thing you saw in the sports world this weekend? It can be a result. It can be a headline. It can be a hire. It can be a fire. Whatever the case may be, what's the biggest thing you saw in sports this weekend? I want to hear from you. Give me a call at 334-321-1390. Man, there's tons, right? There's so much. That happened over the weekend in sports with college basketball. I mean, you've got upset city going on right now in that sport. You've got uh, Alabama, of course, hiring uh, DeBoer as their coach, and now they're just poaching everybody from everywhere. Uh, Washington's football program is crumbling before its very eyes um, because all their coaches are leaving. Um, you've got you have so many things, and I know he's not in studio today. Uncle T-Bone's not here with me, and no, he didn't. He didn't wimp out. He didn't avoid me because of what happened on Sunday, Sunday, right? He's never here with me on Tuesdays, but he will be back with me tomorrow, and I'm going to bring it up again tomorrow when he's here. But how about the NFL playoffs this weekend, huh? The wild card weekend is in the books. We've got the the divisional rounds coming up this weekend, and you knew I was going to talk about it. You knew I was going to bring it up. I had to. I absolutely had to. How about those Green Bay Packers, huh? How about those Packers going on the road to Dallas, taking on the big, bad Cowboys and Dak Prescott, undefeated at home this year. It's the Cowboys' year, blah, blah, blah. I've heard that story a thousand times. And Green Bay went on the road... And absolutely destroyed the Cowboys in Jerry's World, forty-eight to thirty-two. Other results we'll get to in a little bit. Texans destroy the Browns. You had the Chiefs uh, take down the Dolphins, twenty-six to seven in the in the Ice Bowl. You had the Rams falling short to the Lions as uh, Stafford returned to Detroit, this time with L.A., and the Lions win a playoff game for the first time in a 1,000 years. You had the Bills take down the Steelers after a blizzard went through upstate New York. And then last night, Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield, they take down a dismantled Philadelphia Eagles team. So some of the games were good. A lot of them were multiple-score games, which I thought was really interesting and what people were calling blowout wild-card weekend and one of those was my Green Bay Packers. I'm a Green Bay fan. I have been for my entire life. I love the Packers. I've loved every generation of Favre, Rogers, and now Jordan Love. And this has been fantastic, man. This has been awesome to watch. The start of the year was, was horrible. I mean, it was, it was pretty rough being a Packers fan to start the year. But then all of a sudden, something changed, and Jordan Love and this Packers offense turned it on. And they've been dominant ever since. And here's some interesting stats and facts for you about what this playoff game ended up being as Green Bay takes down Dallas 48-32. All right, Green Bay scored the most points ever on a Dallas Cowboys team in, in playoff franchise history. when 48 points. One of those was a pick six. But you still scored 48 points on the road in Dallas in the wildcard game. Also, this is funny. Green Bay's undefeated in that building. They're undefeated in there. They've never lost to Jerry's World. They're 6-0. Also, the Green Bay Packers... God, I hope Uncle T-Bone's listening. The Green Bay Packers have more playoff wins inside of AT&T Stadium than the Dallas Cowboys do. With three. How about that? How about that? That's the youngest team to ever make the playoffs in the Green Bay Packers is also the youngest team to ever win a playoff game and Jordan Love in his first ever playoff start all right first ever playoff start for Mr. Jordan Love went 16 of 21 for 272 and three touchdowns and takes down the Cowboys how about that that's impressive I don't care if you're a Green Bay person or not like myself that's really impressive And that's one of the very few times that Green Bay team has played healthy. And so, shout out to them. And so, the other games, they were okay. Shout out to C.J. Stroud and the Texans for taking down Joe Flacco and the Browns. You had the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes beat the Dolphins in one of the coldest games ever. And here's what's also crazy. This coming weekend, the time that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to Buffalo... This will be Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game in his career. Everything's been played at home. That's how dominant the Chiefs have been. They've hosted everything other than the Super Bowl. So that's pretty wild. You had the Lions and the Rams. I talked about that. Bills didn't look pretty, but they beat the Steelers. Okay, you beat Mason Rudolph and the Steelers. Steelers are terrible. So congrats to the Bills for that. And then the Bucks take down the the Eagles, after that, Eagles team just fell apart. I mean, just fell apart down the stretch. And they're already talking about firing Nick Sirianni, so we'll see what happens there. But now you got the schedule coming up for this weekend in the divisional round. Packers go to San Francisco on Saturday night. Saturday afternoon, Texans travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. The Lions will host the Bucks, and the Bills will host the Chiefs. I think those are all really good games. Really, really good games and excited for that. But don't you worry. We'll talk some more about that tomorrow when Uncle T-Bone gets in the studio because I gotta give him I gotta give him his love a little bit as my Packers take down his Dallas Cowboys. But coming up, we're gonna talk all things Auburn football, college football, transfer portal news, you name it, we'll have it here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Don't go anywhere.
0: On the Line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 minutes into our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm with I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Let's get to the phone lines as we start to transition into a little football and stuff here in just a second. But we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. And Terry, you're on the line to get us going. How are you, man?
2: I'm pretty good, Jacob. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing just fine. What's on your mind?
2: Does anybody, does everybody celebrate the Cowboys losing outside of Dallas?
1: <laughs> I think I mean, so. I'm pretty sure they do.
2: Has Jerry Jones fired the coach this morning?
1: Uh, I have not seen anything about Mr. Mike McCarthy being fired, but that was a pretty heavy topic come Sunday afternoon.
2: You know, you know, it's going to gonna get to the point in Dallas. I've got a friend out there that, that he's not going to because nobody wants to come work for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, that seems That's to be really a huge pretty, problem. Yeah.
2: Because these coaches have had success everywhere but there. Um, it's getting ridiculous.
1: Well, everyone's like
2: seeing the Cowboys lose.
1: No, T-Bone. yeah. Well, I was. Yeah, except T Bone. I was. I was never a fan of Dallas hiring Mike McCarthy because, you, if you remember, he was the former Green Bay coach, and right. at the end of his tenure in Green Bay, it just wasn't working, and he just became very complacent. It wasn't a great coach for us, and there was there was a lot of. Um, There was a lot of of heat and disagreement between him and Aaron Rodgers when he was there, and so that relationship ended. There's a lot of people that think Aaron Rodgers was the reason he got fired and probably the case, Um, but I was never a fan of the Cowboys hiring him because I just didn't think he was all that great of a coach anymore.
2: And I think there's a realistic possibility that that team is fixing to get torn apart by free agency.
1: They very well could. And if they let Dak go or let him walk or trade him or whatever, I mean, the, the future of the Cowboys is definitely up in the air. But, man, they've got to do something. They have too much money and too much talent to be losing in the first round to, all due respect to my team, the Green Bay Packers right now.
2: They're not going to win anything as long as Jerry Jones is affiliated with that team.
1: I think that's a really good point, Terry.
2: So uh, he they, they, he's not it's all about him, not about the team. That's right. Uh, can you believe that the Carolina Panthers? I know they're a pathetic organization. That they drafted the kid out of Alabama, Bryce over Young, CJ Stroud.
1: Yeah, I know. It, it really is. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously, but I mean. When you just looked and when you just compared C.J. Stroud to Bryce Young and what they brought to the NFL game, like not the college game, to the NFL style of play, C.J. Stroud has the better arm. He's got the better size. He may not have the better mobility, I guess, but he's just a better quarterback than Bryce Young was, who was very, very good in the college game. But when you start looking at the NFL – Terry, you know this. They're a lot bigger and a lot faster up there. And uh yeah, it's not looking great for Carolina and Bryce Young right now, who had a miserable season in Carolina.
2: Now, I don't know if you remember this guy or not, but that's who Bryce Young always kind of reminded me of in college, was, was Eric Zier. Okay. Had enormous numbers, but just didn't have the size to play at the next level.
1: Well, I mean, there's a ton of guys like that. Uh, I think yeah, exactly. I mean there's a lot of guys that have fallen into that category. It's the same way with a short point guard from college to the NBA, right? They go and dominate the college game, they play really well. It just doesn't translate to the next level. And I think that's what's happening with Bryce Young. And I hope nothing but the best for him, man. I know he played at Alabama, but a very likable guy and, and seemed to have a good head on his shoulders. But a 2-15 and 15 season in the NFL, that doesn't get it done.
2: And well, that's like I always said about these point guards. Wendell Green would do great in the NBA because there's tons of selfish guys in the NBA.
1: Well, that's very true. But they'd also just swarm him and swat him away and he'd never survive. Take care, Jacob. Thanks, Terry. 334-321-1390. Appreciate the call. Would love to get from you as well here on the show. As we transition into what's been going on around college football, uh, Auburn brought in a transfer this weekend. We've got coaching changes across the state. We've got guys trying to transfer, other guys transferring in and out. And I think the news of today is what happened with Auburn's quarterback room. All right, at Auburn football's quarterback room, this is a guy that's been here for a while. It's a guy that's been one of the most up-and-down, bumpy road situations since he got here. It's been had some good, had some bad, had some ugly, and the relationship has finally come to an end. And we all knew it was coming. We've been waiting on it to happen. And Robbie Ashford announced today that he is transferring to South Carolina to become a Gamecock and play over at South Carolina. So he'll remain in the SEC. Auburn will not see him. Um, But I think that is an interesting move. I think it's very different. I did not expect, I'll be completely honest with you. I did not expect him to stay in the SEC. I really thought that he would end up going somewhere else, right? Maybe a smaller school to go and get an opportunity because that's what tends to happen with a guy that can't make it at an SEC level school. They don't typically go to another SEC school, right? If they were good, I take a Will Rogers, for example, I think he very well could go to another SEC school. He tried to transfer to Washington, but when the coach left for Alabama, he was able to retransfer. So now he's back at the portal, right? But, For a guy like Robbie Ashford that just didn't ever take advantage of the opportunities that he had, I just don't see how it's going to work out for him in the SEC. Now, for South Carolina, I think it kind of makes sense, right? You just had a guy in Spencer Rattler that plays a similar style that Robbie does. They're going to stand back there, they're going to scramble, they're going to run around and they're going to try and find somebody and hope to make a play and if they don't, they're going to lower their head and try to pick up yards, right? That's how Robbie plays. That's how Spencer Rattler plays. But Spencer Rattler's a heck of a lot better than Robbie was. Let's just be real, okay? And Spencer Rattler still couldn't save that South Carolina program. So what happens now? What happens for Robbie? What happens for Auburn? Well, for Robbie, we wish him nothing but the best, right? We wish him nothing but the best when it comes to his career at South Carolina and Maybe they can figure out a way to get him in the rotation. Maybe they can figure out a way to to fix some of his problems because he had his chances at Auburn. And you and me, a lot of my listeners and myself, we've had a lot of conversations on this very program about Robbie Ashford and the good, the bad, and the ugly here. And no, he was not here during the best of times, but I just don't think it worked out with him and head coach Hugh Freeze and what the former staff was. And I say former staff, the guys that were on Hugh Freeze's staff, a lot of them, of course, gone, Phillip Montgomery, blah, 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 right? I just don't think it worked. And Ashford had his opportunities and just couldn't take advantage of them. Was he handed just the full reins of the program, 100%, nobody, nobody behind you, this is you, 1,000%, through and through, game one to game 12? No. He was not given that. But that's pretty rare to get nowadays. And to be completely honest with you, I don't think he earned that. That's why he didn't get it. But he had numerous chances. And it was the same thing over and over. Did he have the full-on support and help that he needed? No, he didn't. But guess what? Great players overcome that. Winners overcome that and find a way. And Robbie never did here and he very well could at South Carolina and we wish him nothing but the best. So there's one that's out of the quarterback room. We expected that, we knew that, that wasn't that's not news that he was leaving. But it is news about his new destination and he's going to South Carolina. So that's interesting. All right also, over the weekend, Auburn added a player through the transfer portal on the defensive side. And they've done this a couple of times. And they've gone and made an addition in the secondary where they decided, hey, let's go beef up these, this, this secondary a little bit. Let's go get some guys that want to come play at Auburn and just try to put as many dudes back there as possible. And that's exactly what they did. All right, They go and get a DB from Texas. The guy is really, really good. And I think when you look at what Auburn's doing on that side of the football as they, as they bring in Jaron Thompson from Texas. He is a guy that I think can make an instant impact. He was a four-star in the 2020 class. He was ranked 183 overall by 247 back then in the composite. And last year for Texas, he played 568 snaps and was graded to 73 in his time played. And I think he's a guy that Auburn could use because Auburn's young back there. They still have some experience for sure, but they're very young. And I think when you're losing guys to the draft like Auburn is, and you've saved some for sure, right? You saved a couple of players, Keontae being one of the big ones. I think that you are just bringing in somebody that has played a lot of football. Over 560 snaps this year. That's legit. And this isn't 560 snaps at North Texas. This is 560 snaps at the Texas, who is now an SEC program. And the Big 12's nothing to joke about. So that's big news for Auburn in the secondary on defense as well. Now, who's going to be coaching all those guys? We know a little bit, right? We know a little bit about the coaching staff. We had a ton of changes last week. We had some changes that we thought were going to be made, some changes that were made, and some guys that decided to eventually come back. But there's been a lot of movement here on this Auburn team. And the team is back, they're together, and they're ready to go for 2024. Auburn put out a video about it, I believe today, talking about preparing for 2024. And so you have Jared Thompson from Texas coming in. All right. He played really well. And I think he could play extremely well. Speaking of the transfer portal stuff, all right, because this was a conversation that Auburn fans were having for a while when it came to the, uh, the quarterback room. You know, because there's still a lot of people that think Auburn should go after a quarterback. And they very well might at the end of this spring semester, spring window, whatever you want to call it. But there was a big name in there that Auburn fans talked about for a second and then kind of tailed off of. Did you see the news about Talia Tagovailoa today? Did you see that? We knew he was in the portal. He was trying to become eligible for his sixth year of college football. And the NCAA denied it. They denied it. They said, no, you can't play, you're done. So, he's going to the NFL. So, if that was an option on your quarterback board, he's gone. He's out. See you later. I've heard people talk about and bring this conversation up in this name, I've heard people talk about Will Rogers, a guy that I brought up a couple of minutes ago, and I just don't know. I don't know. I, I think he could play. I mean, he's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Will Rogers is really, really good, but does he fit what Auburn's trying to do? Does another SEC team fit what Will Rogers is trying to do? There's a reason he was going out to Washington. Because of their high-powered offense. Same reason Bo Nix went out there. He went out there to play in a high-powered, fun, accelerated offense. And that's what Washington was. They're not anymore. lost their head coach, lost their OC, losing everybody out there. They've tried to restack, but or restock, I should say, but that's not going to happen. And a bad time to do it as they move to the Big Ten this year. But I just don't know if Auburn is the place for a Will Rogers. Because he can't just step back and throw it 70 times in this offense. Especially with Hugh Freeze taking over. Because Hugh Freeze likes to throw the ball, sure. But I think you got to get back to the run game. And Auburn has too many good running backs for them not to be used. Jarquez announcing he's coming back late last week. That's massive. Damari Alston's still there. Brian Batiste still there who came out of the transfer portal, entered, and then came back. You have too many good players there to not use the running backs. And so I just don't think, I don't think Auburn is, not that they wouldn't be interested, but I just don't think he'd be interested in Auburn. And so it comes back to the question that everybody's asking, will the Tigers go get a quarterback? Will they go get one in the transfer portal? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. And so I ask you, are you happy with the room? Are you happy with what's happened? Are you happy with the recruits that are coming in with the transfer portal additions right, that we've been talking about with the safety from Texas, Jaron Thompson? I'm very happy with him. Very, very happy with him. I think Auburn's going to be happy with him too. But how do you feel about the current situation of the roster? How do you feel about it? 334 321 1390. I want to hear from you because I think everybody has a different opinion here. I think everybody has a different comfort level when it comes to the state of this roster. We're not done. Auburn's not done here. They're not done in recruiting, they're not done in the portal, and they are grinding on 2025 right now. I know we're talking about the 2024 roster and the 2024 season, but you know this as well as I do recruiting never sleeps, man and Auburn has been hosting the best 2025 recruits. They had a bunch on campus this past weekend. They've got more coming in the following weekend, and the following weekend after that, and the weekend after that. They've got a bunch of guys coming in for 2025. And with the transition happening across the state, this staff was already, and Hugh Freeze was already, making huge momentum and gaining ground here as the blue and orange wave begins to move across the state. But with the transition going on up north and all the changes they're having up there and all the people that are leaving that program, this is the time to pounce. right? Auburn's got a tiger as its mascot and an eagle that soars across the stadium. Both of those animals know how to hunt. They know how to pounce. They know how to take down weak prey. Now's the time to do that if you're Hugh Freeze in Auburn. You've never had an opportunity like this in the last 30 years. You have a chance to do that right now and I think Auburn's still doing that for 2024 through the portal and through recruiting of course with the signing period the signing day coming up in just a few weeks and they're already jumping on 2025 you had a quarterback reclassified today to 2025 he's very interested in Auburn and you've already got guys signed or committed I should say for 25 and for 26 good things are happening here But I think everybody's still kind of figuring out where we're going and what the status really is right now. And that's up for you to decide. We'll take our final break here in hour number one. You can give me a call. We'll bring you on 334-321-1390. We also have Bruce Pearl audio from his press conference yesterday coming up, and we'll talk some more basketball and football in hour number two. But we'll come back and have our final segment in hour number one when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. And as we get into hour number two, like I said, we'll have uh, Bruce Pearl's press conference from yesterday. Uh, Was not able to uh, be there in person, and probably a lot of people have missed it since it was technically a holiday, and we were not here. And so we'll have that for you coming up in hour number two. Uh, In place of Daryl Dapper's Double D, he will not be joining us today. I know I just heard all the sighs and cries everywhere, but uh, he had something come up, so we will get back with him next week, so no big deal. We'll have Double D back on on Tuesday next week here on ESPN, so be sure you tune in for that. So we'll have that coming up for you, the Bruce Pearl interview in hour number two, and we'll also uh, we'll keep talking college football, college basketball. Got some more things that I'd like to get to uh, when it comes to this Auburn basketball team as they play tomorrow night against Vanderbilt. Uh, also just other news around college basketball, college football, and, and really just the world of sports. So looking forward to Hour number two uh, coming up in just a few minutes, but we were talking basketball, and since we're going to have basketball coming up in the second hour, did you see what happened over the weekend? I mean, that's so many huge games and so many upsets, man. I mean, top 25 teams, they're struggling. Houston lost another game as the number two team in the country. They let TCU beat them sixty-eight to sixty-seven. Tennessee held on against Georgia. That was a really good game. If you watch that on Saturday, a Georgia team is solid. Man, they're twelve and four, two and one in the SEC, and they held with the number five team. In the country, did you watch that Texas A and M and Kentucky game on Saturday? Holy smokes! It was right before the Auburn game. About an, it went off, I guess, about an hour or so uh, before Auburn tipped off. As A and M wins ninety-seven to ninety-two, that just tells you everything you need to know about the SEC. We'll get to that in a second. Washington State takes down Arizona seventy-three to seventy, and New Mexico beat San Diego State. Um uh, Just so many. West Virginia beat Texas. I mean, really, is wild. And you start looking at the SEC, man, everybody's beating everybody except two teams at the top. It's Auburn and it's Alabama. And guess what? Those two teams play very, very soon. They play next week, next Wednesday, when Auburn goes to Alabama. Auburn plays at Vanderbilt tomorrow, home versus Ole Miss this Saturday, and then at Alabama next Wednesday on January 24th. Those are the two teams left at the top undefeated in this SEC conference. But LSU beat Texas A&M. Auburn beat LSU. Auburn beat A&M. A&M beat Kentucky. Everybody's beating everybody. This conference is crazy. And yet Auburn's still at the top. It's early for sure. But college basketball, it's kind of drunk. It really is. Everybody's beating everybody which makes it a lot of fun in conference play. It's also going to make it a lot of fun come the NCAA tournament, well, conference tournaments and then the NCAA tournament. So March will be here before we know it. We're over halfway through the month of January. Can you believe that? March will be here. We're like two months away from Selection Sunday. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll talk more about college basketball, college football, coming up in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there on ESPN 106.7.
0: Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334 321 1390 or toll free at 888 382 7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Alberto Polika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on ESPN 106.7. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. If you missed any of our number one, we talked a lot of Auburn basketball, started the show actually talking Auburn basketball with their win over, uh, over the weekend. So we had that for you, talked some college basketball, talked a little bit about the... Uh, NFL playoffs as well. I had to shout out my good friend Uncle T-Bone, co-host who's with me Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, who uh, decided not to show up to the studio today since his Cowboys lost, so that's interesting. I know. He'll be back with us tomorrow, but talked a little about the NFL playoffs and also uh, talked a lot of Auburn football news, college football news. There's a lot happening right now, so all of that was back in the first hour. If you missed any of that, you can go and catch up with the podcast. We'll post that right after the show today. You can find that on our station website at ESPNAU.com or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Coming up here at hour number two, if you haven't been with us It is Tuesday, uh, which means Daryl Dapperts normally joins us, uh, but he is not able to be with us today, so we will pick back up with Double D next Tuesday. Uh, So, I know, don't be upset. It's okay. He will be back with us next Tuesday, I promise. And so, uh, we're actually going to play some Bruce Pearl audio for you. We've got his press conference from yesterday, recapping the win over LSU this weekend, previewing the game tomorrow uh, on the road at LSU. So, this works out fine. We're going to play that for you. Had some really good things to say uh, about this Auburn basketball team so we'll have that for you i have some auburn football news even more updated as of just a couple of minutes ago football news that we got to talk about today as well and then after the bruce pearl uh press conference we will have the phone lines open where you can call in at 334-321-1390 so that's what's on deck for hour number two this is bruce pearl yesterday in his press conference recapping lsu and previewing vanderbilt tomorrow
3: uh first off uh I'd like to thank, I'd like to congratulate, Coach and thank Coach Johnny Harris for uh, just an unbelievable uh, win last yesterday afternoon, and, and then and then also thank the Auburn family for an incredible turnout. Um, thank the team for playing with toughness and courage, um, and 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 also thank the depart the Auburn Athletic Department. And the marketing crew. Uh, We've had South Carolina and Tennessee and 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 now LSU former champions come into Neville Arena before but this felt different the lines before the game and yeah maybe some were here to see the defending national champion and some of their star players but they obviously came away incredibly impressed and what a tremendous accomplishment. Um, You know second thing uh, happy Martin Luther King Day Um, I am, you know, grateful for the work that Dr. King did. Uh, And as a coach and a teacher, I try to remind my players to take advantage of the opportunities that their fathers didn't have. Um, There still is racism in this country, but my student-athletes are in a lot better position to take advantage of the American dream um, than their fathers and their grandfathers were. And uh, my job is to encourage them and teach them uh, to do that, to do exactly that, um, uh, Vanderbilt uh, is uh, right now is sits at the bottom of our league, um, and um, and and all I can do is see him in a two point loss at Memphis, and uh, being in a, in a last possession or two game against Alabama. Um, watch them go on the road to LSU and. Know, be beat and compete, be be in the game the whole time. Watch them, you know, you know, in a close game with Ole Miss at Ole Miss, you know, just uh, and knowing that last year we went there and got beat, um, and uh, you know, so obviously we have a lot to play for. Um, I will try to explain to our guys that um, a little bit about Auburn basketball history, and I'm going to remind our guys that prior to us having won five out of the last six, we had lost 13 straight to Vanderbilt. That's just not that far ago. That's not that long ago. Um, so, um, you know, obviously, uh, um, you know, we're going to work really hard to prepare. Um, Mannion is, uh, Ezra, Ezra Mannion, will be the fastest, quickest, most athletic, smallest guard that we'll play against all year long. Um, He is the best uh, undersized guard that I think I've ever seen score over size. It doesn't matter who he gets switched up on. It doesn't matter what his matchup is. He is going to go downhill, and he's going to find a way to score with either hand at a, at a decent percentage, I mean, tough shot after tough shot, but they're not for him. Um, and uh, obviously, he made that last bucket against us last year. Um, Vanderbilt is patient; um, they just, you know, they'll 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 get you in a situation, which I think has been a little bit of a challenge for us, um, in the sense that we're going to get a good first shot against Vanderbilt. We will. But if you take that good first shot, you're gonna come down the other end and cover for 30 seconds. And then you're gonna go down the other end, you're gonna get a good first shot. If you take that, you're gonna you're gonna come down the other end, you're gonna guard for 30 seconds. And it's gonna be a close game. We haven't had many close games. Um and the interesting thing, and one of the things I'm also gonna talk to the team about today, is who's gonna be out there late? Question is who's gonna be out there late? And the answer is most likely if I know myself, my best defensive players. If I know myself, and we haven't had many moments, but in those moments, that's who I tend to go to. So that may answer the question for who's going to be out there. Um, Whereas Vanderbilt, or when Ole Miss comes in Saturday, or at Mississippi, at Alabama, and at Mississippi State, our next four games, I would anticipate all four of them being much closer. And us being involved in situations that we've hardly been involved in this year. So, um, those are the kind of things that we're preparing for. How could you possibly have any questions after <laughs> after all that?
4: It's kind of early into conference play here. You guys are three and zero. Alabama's three and zero. Samford's fifteen and two. Troy's playing great basketball. Like, What, I guess, if you had to kind of look at like the, the state of basketball in Indiana, in Alabama, whoops. Um, <laughs> the, where kind of is your head at yeah.
3: looking at that? Yeah, man, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm definitely proud of, of uh, the state of basketball in Alabama. I'm, I am. I'm proud of it. Um, I mean, between Auburn and Alabama – in four of the last five years, we've been the champions, you know? I mean, I, and I don't think the SEC, quite frankly, um, has done enough to really promote that. Like sometimes when I say that, do you remember reading that? I don't remember reading that in Sports Illustrated. I don't remember. I remember reading, reading times when Auburn and Alabama won four out of the five SEC championships, but not in basketball. Um, but that's – that's in the past, you know. We just we'll see what we can do right now. You know, it's a, I'm trying to make history in the future, and that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I think Tennessee and Kentucky and Ole Miss and you know a few other teams in our league gonna have something to say about it as well as Auburn and Alabama. Um, but yeah, I mean, the job that our coaches in the league are doing at Sanford and Troy and UAB and South Alabama and you know North Alabama and Alabama Huntsville and you know, Tusculum and Alabama, A&M, Alabama State, I, it's pretty pretty strong, pretty strong.
1: R- Ritz, I asked you about this after the game the other night, but the free throw shooting for y'all, y'all are top 50 in the country right now in free throws. This is, could be your best free throw shooting team in a while. Just, I want to ask you a little bit more about how much you've seen these guys in particular work to get better because there's several guys on this team that have had pretty big jumps in yeah. the free throw, free throw percentages this season alone.
3: Well, I mean, one of the keys to being a good free throw shooter, team is to get your best free throw shooters there. So, you know, for the final four year, you know, Bryce Brown and Jared Harper went to the line a lot, and that helped our percentage. You know, that's not necessarily the case at one and two for me right now. And so now my three men, you know, uh, Chad Baker's getting there more. Jalen Williams is a four-man's getting more. And Dylan and Janai are always going to get there because – You know, we go through them a lot. And, uh, you know, I can't compliment Dylan and Jani enough for their effort. Um, They have both not only worked at their free throw stroke, but studied it, but but filmed it, but adjusted it, have given it significant thought. Um, Dylan probably the biggest turnaround, even from a standpoint of just flat out You're changing his stroke completely Um, and, and good for him. Um, you know, um, (laughs) you try the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. The definition of that is not a very complimentary word. And Dylan had tried the same thing over and over again for a while, but really to his credit and in Janai, he's got a good stroke. There are some things uh, in that stroke that, that, Needed to take place for him to feel better about it, um, and that's going to be a key for us to be able to continue to win close games.
5: Coach, there's been a lot of talk about um,
1: Trey improving over you know this season and or this season last season. When he came out of high school, you know, coming off of a state championship run, playing under Coach Ward, just kind of what was he like? What what were you getting in him straight out of high school uh, when he, when he arrived here? Well,
3: I mean, I think straight out of high school. We were getting a football player that was playing point guard a little bit more than we are right now. Trey, Trey, Trey Donaldson, point guard, um, and you know I I continue to point to Trey and Aiden um, as you know the leaders of our team as it relates to our backcourt valuing possessions. They both got almost a three to one assist turnover ratio, and um, which means that they value possessions uh, and they've trusted their teammates to also you know get the ball ahead and you know, let some of those other guys make some plays and they'd be willing to take the hockey assist but not put the ball in positions on the floor where they turn the ball over so much. Um, and, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, Trey obviously uh, has, you know, he has improved. Um, and just like at so many positions on the floor, we, we don't drop off when we go to the bench. And that second unit has been really effective defensively and that second unit has been better defensively than the first and the starters and that's really helped us
1: first going back to Malik Dunbar Javon McCormick now Chad you guys have had some really high impact juco players I guess what's the difference between the evaluation process for a for a guy who's you know a, a d1 transfer versus a juco guy and how do you think you guys have done so yeah. well in terms of evaluation
3: well one of the things about the transfer portal, that I think is a is a is a, a positive thing. Look, I believe in the opportunity our country presents and provides for people, and I think you know I transferred from Milwaukee to Tennessee and transferred from Tennessee here in many ways, and um, you know Southern Indiana to Milwaukee, and so the opportunity to move and and move up so it's just a great thing. Um, I personally am in favor of a one-time transfer. Um, I am. Um, and I think that uh, I think the reason why I'm in favor of that is I just think it's great for you know, kids to have that opportunity. Two times uh, in a career, um, now you begin to wonder whether or not we're teaching the kids to flee, not fight. Um, but as it relates to transfer decisions, um, the best way to evaluate whether or not somebody's going to be successful in your program is to watch them against the best competition. So when I studied Chad Baker at San Diego State, Duquesne, uh, and in junior college winning a national championship uh, for a good friend of mine um, out in Florida, um, Coach DeMeo. um I got a chance to see him be coached at the high level, and I got to see him compete at the high level. So we've made transfer evaluation decisions based on really good film study, just film study. Not watching the necessarily in an AAU tournament or certainly not watching it in their high school where the competition is so different. Can't get a good evaluation watching the kid play in high school. He's better than everybody else on the floor, he's better than everybody plays with. That's not the case when they come in here and play for the sixth, seventh or eighth man. Right? So I I uh, that's been and that's something that I probably I, I don't really love recruiting. I don't. Um, there's a lot of things about it I don't like. Um, but I love the evaluation process. I do. I really love to watch the ball, both in the gym and on tape. Bruce, when you guys have played. And my staff has done a very good job. With, with my staff and I have done a really good job making some of those evaluation decisions with mid-major guys, junior college guys, Division two guys. I, think, I, don't, and I don't think we've gotten one wrong. In, in three or four years. It's hard to do.
1: Bruce, when you guys have played uh, Coach Stackhouse's teams at Vanderbilt, they're usually, no matter what the record is, they're usually really close games, really tight games. What is it about his teams and these Vanderbilt teams that you feel like you know, well, make them so tough? Well,
3: he's one of the best offensive coaches in the country because he was a pro. Um, he, was a, he, was, he was a really good pro coach. Jerry Jerry Stackhouse could coach in the NBA right now and be very successful. And I, In fact, I, I would imagine that's where he's going to, I would imagine he's going to be there someday again, because he was. Um, he got a phenomenal offensive mind. and as a player and a competitor, he was about as tough a player as there was on the floor. Everybody was afraid of Jerry Stackhouse, period because he was physical, tough, and he would take your head off. And he still he coaches that way. Uh, he competes that way. Um, and, you know that's, that stuff just wins. That and because he may not be always as talented, sometimes um, you know this year they're not quite as talented. Um, they're going to be patient, and so they're gonna, and they're going to be patient. Um, they also you know foul the least, and they also send teams to the foul line the least. So he doesn't give you easy ones. Uh, doesn't foul you, and then makes you makes you uh, his team is patient run the shot clock down, lower possessions, therefore a closer game. They don't turn the ball over, so you can't get offense out of your defense. And they change defenses enough to try to confuse you, but also to get you to shoot early. You shoot early and miss, and again, go down there and guard for 30 seconds and shoot early and miss. The next thing you know, you know, it's six at halftime, you know. And then all of a sudden, you get in a game, and you're at Vanderbilt, and it's late. And they look up at the clock and go, you know what? We're only down a couple possessions. And you you, you sit there and go, well, God, we should be beating these guys by 12. And you're not. And that's how they steal a couple.
1: So that was Auburn basketball head coach Bruce Pearl yesterday on his press conference. Recapping LSU quickly, talked a lot about uh, the Vanderbilt game coming up tomorrow for Auburn as they're on the road in Nashville. And if you remember last time they went there – was not good. Uh, was not a good result, I know, because I was there and I got to watch Auburn lose uh, to Vanderbilt on the road. And so they'll try to uh, make up for that tomorrow. They'll try to keep the winning streak alive as they take on Vanderbilt late tomorrow night on the road there in Nashville. When we come back, we've got more Auburn Football Transfer Portal news. Two new names have entered the portal from the defensive side of the football. We'll talk about that. Plus, we'd love to get you on the show as well, 334-321-1390. No Daryl Dapperts today, so phone lines are open for you. We'll talk about two new additions to the transfer portal from the defensive side of the football for Auburn when we come back You're on the Tuesday edition of On the Line.
0: are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app.
1: All right, back inside the studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, listening to head coach Bruce Pearl, BP himself, talk yesterday in his press conference as uh, the Auburn Tigers hit the road going up to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt tomorrow night there uh, in the Music City. And so uh, we'll are. we talk about that tomorrow. Uncle T-Bone will be back in the studio. We'll definitely talk Auburn basketball tomorrow. Um, But in the last, I don't know, 20 minutes? or so 20 30 minutes we've had two new updates to the transfer portal when it comes to auburn football and that is two additions uh to well additions to the portal subtractions from the team if you will And both of them are on the defensive side of the football. Linebacker Cam Riley has entered the transfer portal. And safety Donovan Kaufman has also put his name into the transfer portal. Um, They are the 13th and 14th names to the transfer portal that are have entered the portal leaving Auburn uh, of course they can decide to come back if that is an option right if the coaches allow them to and 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 they decide that they want to come back um, the portal here's an interesting thing though because some people are going to ask and I want to clear this up the portal closed on January 3rd right so the portal's been closed but both of those guys are graduate transfers and so as graduates they can enter the portal at any time all right, they can go and they can enter their name whenever they want to. There's no, there's no regulations on that. There's no time frame on when a graduate can enter. Uh, they can decide to leave at any time, and so that's what's happening here with Cam Riley, the linebacker, and Donovan Kaufman, the safety. Um, you look at some of the numbers for them. Riley, uh, he was a, a, a Travis Williams commit and a Kevin Steele commit back in 2020. Uh, played 11 games as a freshman. Uh, he then appeared 11 games in 2021 and in 2022. And then uh, in 2023, with Ron Roberts and Josh Aldridge, he totaled 32 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, and two and a half sacks. I'll say this about the the linebackers room. I just... I don't know, man. I don't know what to think because I liked Cam Riley. He was, he was up there for me when it came to that room. Um, there's some really, ta- some really talented guys there. There's some that I wasn't a fan of their performance. Um, some guys that I thought just needed to improve a little bit. I put Larry Nixon in that category. Nothing against him personally. I don't know him like that. But just the, the mistakes that were made on the field um, stacked up pretty heavily. Um, but Cam Riley hurts to lose. I, I'll admit that. And... You know, you've got some studs coming in. That's the good thing, right? I mean, you've got some of the best linebackers in the state of Alabama. Some are best in the country that are coming in uh, to fill on this defense. So that's a good sign. You also bring back Eugene Asante in the linebacker room, a guy that we all know and love, uh, especially here on ESPN. And so um, you have experience there, and you also have some fresh raw bodies that are coming in there as well that are really, really talented. But I think losing Cam Riley does hurt you a little bit here. On the other side of things, your safety, Donovan Kaufman, who has transferred once already. If you remember, he came from Vanderbilt uh, when he was uh, committed to play and started playing at Vanderbilt under Derek Mason, who then came to Auburn under Brian Harson, followed him here. Wild that it's been that long, right? That that's how long Donovan Kaufman's been here and how long ago that was. Uh, but he has also entered the transfer portal As he had 124 total tackles during his time here, in in in, during his time at Auburn, Um, he was in that star spot, right? He was he was normally in that newer star position, Um, and really he was a a force coming off the edge and coming after the quarterback right didn't drop a ton in coverage uh, but he was more forcing fumbles and I think he had an interception this past year too so Donovan Kaufman and Cam Riley both enter their names into the transfer portal and I have some takes on this I have some thoughts about this I think it has a lot to do with um, the with some of the changes we're seeing on the coaching staff. And I think some of the changes that this staff is making on the team, right? I think it just, some of it has to do with, Hey, we've got to kind of clean house a little bit. And, we know there's been a lot of, of emotions when it comes to the coaching side of things with Cadillac and, and Etheridge being gone and, and Wesley McGriff who left for A&M and now is back with the Auburn team on the defensive side uh, coaching the secondary and the DBs and so there's been a lot of movement there and a lot of ruffled feathers if you will but I think there, you're going to see some more of this right here and I think that's what we're going to have moving forward and I'm going to talk about that some more. Because I think some people are going to be upset that Cam Riley and Donovan Coffin are no longer on this team. Some people may be happy about it. I don't know. And I'd love to hear from you on the phone lines. But we're going to talk about this some more and kind of what's happening here with this Auburn team, plus other news in the transfer portal. You got a guy leaving, going to South Carolina. You have other news in recruiting, guys reclassifying. So much more to talk about when it comes to Auburn football, SEC football, and college football. That's all coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Give me a call. What are your thoughts? 334 321 1390. We'll continue with the Tuesday edition of On the Line after this.
0: On the Line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Albert Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. Give me a call. How are you feeling about all the news today? 334-321-1390 in the news we gave you before we went to break. Talked about it for a second. Want to talk about it some more here in this segment as two new defenders are in the transfer portal from Albert football. Cam Riley, the linebacker, and then star uh, player Donovan. Kaufman playing in that star position. The safety if you will. Donovan Kaufman has entered his name into the transfer portal as well. So how do you feel about these guys entering the portal? I guess these guys in particular and then these being the 13th and 14th players to enter the portal for Auburn in this window. And the reason those guys are able to enter I told you this before we went to break but um, they're able to enter because they're grad transfers and so while the window may be closed um, for guys to enter their name, grad transfers can they can do whatever they want. They can enter in at any time. And so here's what I'll say about this. I hate to see them go. I do. I hate to see both of these guys go. I think they're really talented. I think they've done uh, good things for Auburn in their time here. And they've been here for a while. And I think they're going to go and do great things as grad transfers somewhere. They're going to be really good players as one-year rentals somewhere on a defense. Whether it be in the SEC whether it be in Power 5, whatever the case may be. I mean, they're going to go and be good players somewhere. And I really enjoyed watching them play, and I think they both did good things during their time here. But for both of them to enter basically at the exact same time, I mean, the news came out about both of them within 15 minutes of each other. For them to both enter and be grad transfers and to decide to leave – it seems to me that this is more of a Hugh Freeze defensive staff decision that sat these guys down and said, look, we appreciate what you've done. You're a good guy. Thank you for your service, but we may think it's time for you to kind of move on from here. And this could be a cleaning of the house more more of a thing like we've seen in the past. right? We've seen it with the transfer portal. We've seen it with guys leaving the team. I mean, heck, you had Robbie Ashford leave and go to South Carolina today, right? And we also saw it with the coaching staff, right? We saw it with Etheridge. We saw it with Cadillac, and that got a lot of of people fired up. And you're seeing it with players. You're seeing it with guys leaving the program. And while some people may not like it, while some people may not be fans of it, I think it's something you have to do. I think it's something that you have to to come in and realize okay 2023 was okay. 2023 was an okay year one for Auburn. But you've got to find the guys that are bought in that want to be here and are good enough to be here. And I'm not talking about Riley and Kaufman in particular. I'm talking in a in a broader sense here. After year one, Where you ended poorly, it didn't go the way you wanted it to, and with everything going on across the state, this is your time to pounce. This is your time to grow and take over if you're Hugh Freeze and Auburn football. And so, with those coaching changes, you're going to lose some guys, and you have. You've lost guys because of that, sure. But you also regain somebody as well, and... That's in a coach in Wesley McGriff. And the, the, the reports and the stories are that when McGriff, when he walked back into that team room, that team meeting, the defense was excited. They gave him a standing ovation is what I've heard when McGriff walked back in the door. That's a huge get. That's a huge save for this Hugh Free staff. And they're still trying to figure it out on the offensive side. But as of right now... You still have your core set of defensive coaches, and I think they're making tough decisions, right? Same way that Hugh Freeze made the tough decision to let Etheridge and Cadillac go. And that's basically what happened. I know they resigned from their positions, but we all know what happened here, right? They had a tough conversation. Look, thank you for your service, but it's time that we move on. We'll let you resign. We're not going to fire you but we recommend that you resign, and that's what happened. And those decisions have to be made. Remember late last week, we had a caller talking about being the CEO of this football program, right, as a head coach. You're not just the X's and O's guy. You're the CEO. You're the decision maker. You're the guy that gets all the glory. You're the guy that gets all the hate. You're the guy that makes all the money. But on the back end, you have to make those tough decisions, and that's what Hugh Freeze is doing right now. That's what this coaching staff is doing. And I think you see that when guys like Cam Riley and Donovan Coffin enter the transfer portal. That's what happens here. You lose some experience. You lose tackles. You lose guys that have been here for a while. You lose a guy in like Cam Riley of six foot five, two hundred and thirty five pounds. He was going to be a guy that maybe started for Auburn. In the linebacker spot. A guy that was going to be one of your leaders in that linebacker room. And yet, he's entered the transfer portal at the same time that Donovan Kaufman did. Now, could I be wrong? Sure. But I don't think I am. And it's a weird time right now at Auburn. It is. It's a weird time with guys entering the portal, guys being recruited, right? You're still trying to get all of the all those Alabama departures. I mean, there's a lot going on right now. But I think Auburn's just trying to get the right guys in here. And we talked about that Uncle t and I did late last Friday. Just talked about trying to get the right guys in here. The ones that are bought in. The ones that want to be here and give you, ultimately, give you the best chance to win games. And so I think that's why you see Cam Riley and Donovan Coffin in the portal. And I have nothing against them. I don't. And... Frankly, I don't know if Auburn's done. I don't know if this is the last two that you're going to see enter the portal. There's a good chance it's not. There's a really good chance that Auburn keeps adding guys through the transfer portal. And you've done that over the last few days, right? You got Gage Keyes from Kansas, who's here enrolled, right? That was later on. The offensive tackle from Mississippi State, Percy Lewis. He's committed to Auburn. And. You've picked up back-to-back guys from the Longhorn State and not just the Longhorn State, from the Longhorns program. The defensive line, Trill Carter from Texas, and the one you got yesterday, the safety, Jaron Thomas from Texas, from the Longhorns, from Steve Sarkeesian. Two really good players. Two guys that could start on your team in 2024, especially Jaron Thompson. You're getting high-level guys, experienced players once again, and that's what you're supposed to do in the transfer portal. And I'll say this, too. It's very easy for every time your team, whether it be Auburn or Alabama or Ohio State or, I, I don't care, Washington, Utah, whoever your team may be, it's very easy to look at somebody in addition through the transfer portal and say, oh, this guy, oh, he's got potential. This guy's coming in to be the starter. He could change the program. He's a great pickup for this team, for my team. right? It's very easy to say that. And on the flip side, if somebody leaves, uh, whatever. To heck with them. We didn't need them anyway. Didn't want them anyway. Good riddance. It's very easy to say those two things. But you've got to take off the, the colored glasses here. And I'm not saying that's you, the Auburn fan. I'm saying just a fan in general. You got to take those glasses off for a second and look at players and why a program is bringing them in. And I think it's time for Auburn too to bring in guys through the portal that are effective, impactful, meaningful. Auburn's done that. And they've they've hit on a few. Right? And they've hit on a couple. Talking about that linebacker room. I look at Eugene Asante. That guy's a stud. We love Eugene. North Carolina transfer. It's one of the best ones Auburn's gotten in a long time. But you also look at other guys that you've gotten through the portal, especially on the offensive side of the football, look a lot of those receivers, and it just hasn't worked out. And we know that in today's world of college football, you can, you can add through the portal, but in my opinion, you can't build Through the portal. You can't do it. You cannot build a program and run a program solely off the transfer portal. Doesn't work. Ask Dion in Colorado. Ask Lane at Ole Miss. I know they had an 11-win season. But he's getting some really good high school recruits. He's not just doing it through the portal. Because it can't be done. He realized that. And so, while you can't build through the portal, you can sure... Help and stock up and catch up, if you will, through the portal. You've just got to find the right guys and you got to hit on those guys and you got to find the ones that fit your program and fit what you're trying to do. And I feel like that's what Auburn's doing here. I don't know. Ultimately, we don't, none of us know until it happens, right? And until they get on the field, until we start seeing results. None of us know. We have no idea. But you can look at these guys, and I look at Jared Thompson as a perfect example, the safety from Texas that committed yesterday. Over 560 snaps this year in the Big 12 as a starter for the Longhorns. How could you not want that? How could you not want that on your team in your secondary with all the guys that just left? You've got a little experience back there, but not much. Not very much. You've got a lot of young guys. Hugh Freeze has been saying it. You're going to see some very young players playing in that secondary next year. Talented, but young. You bring in a guy like him for experience and it only makes you better. And you also want guys that believe in what Auburn is doing. And if you have that, you're going to be in a good spot. And I think transfer portal players are seeing that, but high school recruits are seeing it even more. Right? Look at all the guys you just brought in for 2024, and of course you're not done, you're still, you're still out and looking to pull in Ryan Williams. But you're also looking at the 2025 guys who are flooding to campus. Had guys on campus this past weekend, you've got them for weeks to come now. You've got guys reclassifying from 2026, where Auburn already has momentum, into 2025, where Auburn has a ton of momentum has a chance to be a top five class when it's all said and done. They are right now, but they could finish that way, which is most important. People notice what's happening here. But this is a huge transition period for this program. It's a huge time for Hugh Freeze to get it right. We talk about giving a coach a chance, right? Giving him some time, being patient with a new head coach. You have to have that. You have to do those things. But in that short amount of time they give, because it is short, you get three years, sometimes even less, which is kind of crazy. But most programs and most new head coaches, you get three years. And if you get those three years, you better do something. You better get better, and you better make progress. That's what year two is right now. That's what is happening at Auburn. That's what Hugh Freeze and this staff are trying to do. They're trying to progress and get better. With the roster, with the coaching staff, with the NIL, with everything. They're trying to get better. Because year two, in that three-year window, that's the one you have to make all the tough decisions. That's the one you have to make and do the dirty work in hopes that it pays off at the end of year two and into year three. Because if it doesn't, then you're on the hot seat. If nothing changes going into year three, if you don't do the dirty work now with getting certain guys out, coaches, players, whatever, if you don't do it now and get them out, you can't make that progress in year three. You can't make that progress in year four. You're not going to win games in the years to come. And I think that's what this team is doing. That's what this program's going through. they are going through a transition, going through some changes, right? We've all been there as humans whether it be your personality or your body or whatever the case may be, we've all gone through it. It's not comfortable. It's weird. It's confusing. It's scary. But I feel like that's what's happening here. And I think we have to give, as Auburn people, you've got to just buy in. That's what Auburn's looking for from the players. I think that's what you have to get from the fan base too. And it's hard to do that sometimes. It's hard to buy in To an uncertainty. And that's what this is. Especially when well-known people get shown the front door. That's tough to do, man. That's really, really tough. Well-known players, well-known coaches. Long-time people. It's tough to do to buy in on that. But if you want it to be great, if you want it to have a chance to work, you have to back it up. You have to be there. You have to support it. And in the next two to three years, we're going to find out if it worked or not. We'll find out if it worked. But you've got to be there to support that. 334-321-1390. We'll get to the phone lines when we come back. We'll wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, coming up here on ESPN 1067.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502.
1: Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Let's get to the phone lines before we get out of here. 334-321-1390. Inspector, you're on the line, man. What's up?
5: I caught the last uh, 30 minutes of your show. Sorry about that, but, damn, J- Jacob, you have a damn good show, buddy. <laughs> I
1: appreciate that. Uh, Thank you very much, Spector.
5: You know, y- y- you're right about what's going on, and I agree with what you, uh, Hugh Freeze is doing. You, you know, you you can't keep up with the status quo. It's, you got to change it up somehow. It, you got to cut that cancer out, so be it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I agree, you know. You said some good stuff
1: there. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I just, it's, it really is tough because, you know, in talking about the news of Cam Riley and Donovan Kaufman entering the portal, like I, I hate to see those guys leave. I do because I think they're good players. They've done good things here, and they've been here for a while, and you hate to see those types of players leave, and you hate to see the coaches leave like Etheridge and Cadillac. I know that's still an ongoing thing with fans sort of being upset about it, but you have to – understand where Hugh Freeze is coming from, those are not his guys, right? You have to let the coach come in and bring his guys in. Whether that works out or not, we don't know. It's all a risk. It's a gamble, and that's something that's up in the air for the future. But, yeah, I mean, you got to let the guy do his thing.
5: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can't speculate about what the decision was for those two guys to leave. Mm -hmm. It could have been as simple as, uh, you know, they didn't like the staff coming in or, or – you know, something they did, we don't know. Right. But uh, but uh, anyway, um, you know, best to them. I hate to, see, I hate to see, especially Riley, like you were saying, I hate to see Riley go.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do uh, too. I do too. And I think he's going to be about, really good. You know.
5: There's a possibility he'll come back, you know. It's yeah, not a yeah. foregone conclusion that they're going for good.
1: That's right. That's right. That's one good thing about the portal is, you know, you you do have the chance to come back unless for, you know, unless it was a situation that the coaches were like, "Hey, you should probably enter the portal then they they probably wouldn't come back at that point. But you never know.
5: Yeah. You know, one last thing, yep. you know, coach coaches have to recruit the players that they have. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, you know, with this portal situation going on like this, you got to you gotta be a recruiter to keep the ones you got on board.
1: You better believe it, man. It's tougher than it's ever been, Spectre. All right, see you buddy. Thanks for the call, man, and thanks for the kind words as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll get to the phone lines one more time. You're on the line, Who am I speaking with? Hello? Hey. hey Dak, what's up, brother? Hey, you got about man, you got about a minute or so, brother. You better get it in.
4: Oh, man, they, they said there was a caller in front of me. That's why I didn't know he was talking to
1: me. Yep, yep, Specter was on, but you're up. Go ahead.
4: Oh, well, I was just going to uh, talk a little bit about, you know, a head coach getting his guys, his coaches. Mm-hmm. And people that are outside the coaching world don't understand that that's the way that this works in the coach business, man. They would, they would rather have a guy that they trust and, and believe in and a guy that has all the, the awards and coaching that you could possibly get. When I first started coaching and I took my first head coaching job, a guy that I respected very much and was in the Hall of Fame, he told me most important thing. He said, Dak, he says, you get guys that you trust that's going to have your back. Mm-hmm. He says, the hell with them knowing football. Yep. And, I, and I'm telling you, that has stuck with me
1: for 30 years. And people on the outside don't get that, Dak, and it's hard for them to understand that. It really is, and, and that's what I'm trying to do. That's what that's why I love when people like you, Inspector, call in to help enlighten that and, and push that message because it really is important. doesn't matter what your football knowledge is. It does, but what your football knowledge is or your, your status at the school, man, you've got to trust your coaches if you're the head coach because you can't do it all as one person.
4: That's right. That's right, And. You know, in this day and time with so much on the outside world, Mm -hmm. that's even more reasons you got to have a guy that's going to have your back that you can trust. I mean, let's just go back to Gus's time. I mean –
1: Let's, you know, we all know what the rumors were with
4: Kevin Steele. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. a prime example
1: right there. Bingo! There you go, Dak. That's it, man. Hey, appreciate the call. It's great to yeah. hear from you. Call back again soon. All right, we'll have a longer conversation. Appreciate you. Appreciate Spectre. Appreciate everybody calling in today, listening today. Man, we're having a lot of fun. T Bone will be back with me tomorrow, Uncle T Bone. That is two to four. Here in the studio, we'll talk basketball, we'll talk football. We got so much more to go over on the show tomorrow. I appreciate you all being here each and every day, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Hey, high school basketball tonight, I'm on Tiger Country 104.5. Lee Scott and East, Jack Hutton over on 96.3 Lee Auburn and Opelika. Tune in for that. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 4, here on ESPN. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.